Thanks for listening to the podcast from River's Edge Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information or to gather with us on Sundays, please visit our website at respokane.org. We hope this message is impactful for you and others as we pursue the way of Jesus together. As you know, we've been uh, working our way through the book of Revelation. Uh, This morning, we are taking a break from that because, as I mentioned earlier, our dear friend Ray is here, uh, and I have given Ray a blank check uh, to teach on whatever he wants to. Uh, He's one of two people in the world uh, that that I will do this with. Um, So I don't even know what you're going to teach on this morning, Ray, but we trust you, okay? Um, So uh, why don't we give a warm welcome to Mr. Ray Lowe. Thank you so much. I don't feel a visitor. I feel part of you, which is great. And it's wonderful that we're partnering together in what's called Regions Beyond. And some of you, how many of you were at Marathon? Yeah. Oh, not, oh, not so many. Um, but some of you got to know Steve Oliver. Uh, Steve's in Missoula at the moment. So the reason I'm here is that we're on our way to Mexico. Steve's doing a conference with a load of business people. Um, all to do with money and what have you, and that wasn't something that I particularly fancied. Uh, so I said, please, can I come down here? I think, I think it was you and Josh um, I said, connived that, didn't you? Right, well, I'm so glad you did. <laughs> and you saved me from a boring weekend on, uh, to do with money. Okay, having said that, I just felt a real prompt from God um, to look at a passage of Scripture it's um, in 2 Corinthians. Um, so if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians 8, if you've got your Bible, I'm reading from the uh, NIV. <clears throat> Let me give you a bit of background here to this scripture. One, one of the things about Corinthians, we, we think there were other letters because there's references to other letters and which we don't have. And there's probably at least four. So we have to guess a little bit of what was actually going on because Paul addresses some issues and we're not quite sure um, the, the detail because, we, because these letters we don't have. I often wonder, this is where I'm a bit naughty, if we discovered a new letter, would we put it in the canon of Scripture? The answer is probably not. We ought to, but we don't like change, so we probably wouldn't. Um, but So there's, there's stuff we don't know, but... Um, Remember, in Antioch, uh, a prophet turned up in Antioch when Paul and Barnabas were there, called Agabus. And one of the things, he, he gave an am- amazing prediction. It was a, a prediction of something that was actually going to happen in history, that there was going to be in the reign of Claudius um, a severe famine right across the Roman Empire. Well, that's an amazing, amazing prophetic prediction. And Paul and Barnabas and the church there had to decide, what do we do with that? That's, that's what we do with prophecy. That's called weighing it. We decide, do we have a responsibility to respond to this prophetic word? And they felt they did, and it served two purposes. Um, one was that Paul and Barnabas felt, we, we as Gentile churches, we can, we can, we can bless 
those in Judea that are going to suffer from famine, and we can bring relief to them. But secondly, there was an issue between the Gentile and Jewish churches over the law and how much of the law is applicable to us needing to be in Christ. I'm sure, you know, um, Matt and others will be teaching you about that sort of stuff. So it served a dual purpose, really, to say, hey, guys, we are one new man in Christ, even though there's some differences. So we're going to bless you. And so Paul probably was in touch with the churches that came out of his ministry. And a number of these churches said, wow, we want to be included, please. Uh, we, we want to be part of the blessing. Isn't that good? When so often the churches, we're part of the problem in the world, not the blessing. But they, they were wonderful. They said, we want to we be part of the blessing. And so what happened was the Corinthians were a very boastful people. Um, they, they, they were so gifted and they did boast about it. And they boasted that they were going to big, a big offering you're going to get from us, a huge offering. And then they backed off. And Titus is a bit of a hard case. Um, if you want to get, if you, if you want to do a, get someone to confront something, you don't send Timothy, but you do send Titus. And uh, in, in the, um, the message translation, it basically says something to the effect that Titus and some of the heavy brothers were going to go down to Corinth and make sure they were good to their word. So that's the background to this, to what I'm going to be reading from 2 Corinthians um, chapter 8. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints now that's every pastor's dream <laughs> every pastor's dream please include us in we just want to give our money we want to be a blessing uh, and they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. In other words, they said to Paul, we are in partnership with you. And when, we, we, when churches, as we are in regions beyond, say, hey, we're in all this stuff together, boy, oh boy, the impact that that makes. The ripples are great. So we urged Titus... This is the heavy guy. Since he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. And then Paul's a little naughty now, he says, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and we know they excelled in the, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you could have added that as well, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Um, it was when I was um, thinking of what I might um, bring to you this morning, bearing in mind I just dodged out of a conference on money, I just felt this passage of scripture. And, and, and I, I don't know if I did share it with you, I think I shared it with someone. I said, I think I'm going to speak on money because there's two things that the Bible says so much about that is so applicable to the world in which we live. The one is sex, and I'll leave Matt to deal with that one. I'm too old now. The other, 
The other is money. There's so much to say. And those two things, um, people, this world is driven by, isn't it? And not driven in a very good way. So, so here we have this uh, Paul encouraging these Christians here, and he's encouraging them to excel in the grace of giving. I was saved when I was 19 years of age. I was a very happy pagan until that time. Um, I worked for a, uh, on a law apart, uh, department in a very large insurance company in London called The Prudential. There were 5,000 people working there, and there was a lot of extra activities after hours. I played a lot of tennis for them uh, and, and all sorts of stuff. So I didn't work too often. Um, it was a great place to be. And so I used to go to all these activities after work. I mean, you could play badminton, you'd go to the theatre, they had restaurants, they had cinemas, they had every society imaginable. You could go and take photographs and calligraphy, and you name it, they had it. And I got invited to a meeting. I didn't know what sort of meeting I was going to. I thought it was a staff welfare meeting. I ended up in a Christian union meeting. Now, I'd never been to a Christian union. I didn't know what a Christian union meeting was. Well, when I went there, I was amazed to find that I was the only person smoking, um, and uh, a woman dressed in black with a sort of flower pot on her head and a pale face from Africa, a returning mystery, began to share about intimacy with Jesus. And it got me. And six months later, I wonderfully came, to f come to, came through to Christ. Um, and, and there was another person who was at that meeting who I knew. She worked as a secretary on the law department where I was. She is now my wife. So there we met at, tw at 19, at 21, we married... And I, by that time, I've left the Prudential Insurance Company. I'm working, I'm training um, in a local firm of lawyers to, uh, to qualify as a lawyer myself. And when I got home in my first wage packet when we got married, now in those days, they gave you money. None of this bank transfer nonsense. You got money. You had it in your hand. And I remember getting home and Sue said to me, how much have you got? And I told her, she said, give me 10% of that. I said, what? Why? Why do you want 10%? She said, it's for the church. For the church? I'm not giving my money to the church. Now, my wife had got saved at 12, so she, she was in, you know, better informed and, and, and than myself. I said, money to the church? Church of England doesn't need money. Look at all these buildings. Ray, we're starting our marriage out rightly. We're going to honour God with our money. I'm so grateful to Sue for that because um, that's what we began to do then, and it stayed with us. And I want to teach you this morning on, what, as I understand this, excelling in the grace um, um, of giving. Money can be a blessing, it can be a curse. Here's a, a very famous um, proverb. You won't find it in your Bible, but it's certainly in mine. Money is like manure. In a pile, it stinks, spread around, it does an awful lot of good. Uh, isn't that a great proverb? Um, Bill Gates lives his life like that. You know, so there was some new vaccine some years ago discovered for malaria, and, uh, but proved only to be effective 60% wise. And so they were going to just ditch it. Bill Gates said, hold on a minute. How many, how many kids die of malaria every year in this part of Africa? About a million. Well, we can save... 600,000 with this vaccine. They said, no, 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 it's not cost effective. He said, well, what, what are we talking about? 250 million. He wrote a check. He's not a Christian. I pray for that guy. I know he can't get there through good works, 
But boy, does he do good works. He gives actually more to third world nations than your, your actual country does. And he's now set up you know, his charity. How amazing. And he's learned that. When he walked around third world nations with a pack on his back years ago, he made a promise to himself, if ever I make money, I'm going to be a blessing to these people. Wow. That's a heart. And what we're going to be talking about this morning has more to do with the heart than it has to do um, with the pocket. And I'm amazed at, at, at Christian's attitude towards towards money and I want to share something on that. I hear I hear people arguing, is tithing Old Testament, is it New Testament? I think, hold on a minute. We, we have a Bible, don't we? Do we pick and choose what we fancy and say, that's old covenant, we're not under law anymore, so we don't need to give don't need to give at all. I think this is this is ridiculous. We have a Bible. One thing one thing that is clear, and you'll find it in the next passage of scripture God loves a cheerful giver. He wants us to be hilarious about our giving. And uh, when the people, when the people of um, Israel came out of Egypt, um, you remember they came and they, they brought some goodies with them. One, one translation said they plundered the wealth of the Egyptians. They were just glad to get rid of them. And take what you like, just go. And then God spoke to them about an ark, you remember? And God said, I want you to build this ark. I'm, this is going to represent my presence amongst you. And, and, and this is what the Lord said. He said, actually, take an offering from those whose hearts are willing. In other words, God doesn't twist us, our arm behind our back on this, on, on this issue. He wants us to respond with hearts and say, yes, Lord, of course we want to do this. Because this is, this is your will. And in the Old Testament, the tithes were given very much, weren't they? They were there for, um, uh, they were there for the uh, service of, of, of the priesthood. 38 years ago, I left the legal profession. And uh, by that time, I was earning a very, very good salary. Uh, what it was doesn't matter. It's none of your business. But, um, but when I went to lead this Baptist church probably about 40, 50 people in a small town, developing a, a, a community. I said this to them. I, because I, my, my salary had gone down to about fifth of what it was. Um, so Sue took in washing and ironing and took in lodgers and we did all that sort of stuff. I said this to them. I said, I don't mind leading a poor church, but I'm not going to lead an unfaithful church because I want the blessing of God to be honest. And if we're going to grow and we're going to plant churches and we're going to affect the nations of this world, because that's what I believe that that's what God wanted for us, then I want a faithful church. So what you pay me is not particularly the issue. It's, 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 it's our faithfulness, um, our faithfulness that really matters. So I want to just try and answer one or two questions that Christians write. Is, is, is tithing, is it for today? Is it New Testament? Well, where do we find tithing? In the Old Testament, yes? So it must be Old Covenant, mustn't it? And we don't live under law now, do we? We live under grace. Yeah, but there's a problem. Because you see, tithing, Abraham tithed after he'd won a great battle. And he'd spoiled these um, kings 
and he met this character Melchizedek, who was a bit of a strange character. I'll leave you to try and explain that one. These things are too too much for me. But he met this guy, this king of Salem, that represented God, and he tithed 10% of all the spoil that he had taken. Why did he do that? Because he anticipated the heart of God. Because God, God is a giving God. He's a good God. He's a generous God. And so 400 years before the law was given at Sinai, Abraham was tithing. So it was Jacob. Jacob was a, he was a swindler. He was a cheat. But when God got hold of him, what did he do? He began to give back to God. So, so tithing is not old, old, uh, old covenant. Um, it's interesting that it's not in the New Testament as such, but it's interesting that Paul and others take what is in the old covenant and they relate it to the new covenant. The old covenant is law, but the new covenant is our hearts. And um, so Paul, Paul uses this analogy... Um, when it comes to supporting those like Matt, who serve you and serve you well. It says, Paul says this, those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. The days when I came into ministry 40 years ago nearly, there was a saying in the Baptist circles, keep them poor and keep them humble. That really, it was. Sad, really. So contrary to the tenant of Scripture there. Because Paul later writes to Timothy and he speaks of the elders. You've got some elders in training. Elders who serve, serve well, and particularly those who preach and teach, they're worthy of double honor. What does that mean? You say twice, God bless you? No, it doesn't. Because he uses Old Testament Scriptures. He says, don't muzzle the ox that treads down the grain. Old Testament Scriptures. And, and, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Old Testament scriptures brought into the new covenant setting of the church. And then you find again um, um, that uh, you know, they, they, they go way beyond that giving because you find the Old Testament people gave far more than a tithe. In fact, the book of, Mal- book of Malachi is not very complimentary to some people. Because the temple's been restored, the, the exile is at an end, people go back, and now they begin to serve in the temple again. And then those, 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 um, those folks that were there back there in Jerusalem building the temple, they, they, they began to get away with what they could with God. So they didn't bring perfect offerings. They didn't bring proper... And it's, it's, like, it's like some Christians today. They think, what can we get away with I'm glad God doesn't think that way. Aren't you? If we had a God who thought, perhaps I'll bless him a bit. He doesn't think that way. He's a wholehearted, wonderful God who just gives and gives and gives. And so he wants us to be exactly like him. We're to be restored into his image and everything that goes along with that. That takes a lifetime but we're changing, we're on the move. So Malachi, he writes to these people and he says, well, he speaks to them and he says, God's got a complaint against you. Really? Yeah? You are robbing God. Get away. We're not robbing God. We bring, we bring the lamb offering. Oh, yeah. But it's a squinty-eyed lamb. 
You're bringing the sort of lamb that no one wants. Oh, you're robbing God. Well, uh, well, well, um, uh, no, that's not very kind. Well, you put yourself in God's position. What does he think? He thinks this. He thinks rather than being under blessing, you're under a curse. I, I used to have a, a guy in the church where I, I, I led for 37 years. I've just been out there for 11 years, going back again now to uh, be part of um, the ministry there. And this guy always used to say to me, Ray, you can't say we're under a curse. I'm not saying we're under a curse. What I'm saying is this, because Jesus has dealt with the curse at the cross. But he wants to bless us. And faithfulness is a criteria to blessing, as I'll show you as we go through some Proverbs a little later, a little later on. So God wants to, God wants to bless us, and he just loves it when we respond with our hearts, particularly to the needs of others. In the, in the New Frontiers, sorry, Reasons Beyond Family of Churches, we have a ch several churches in Burundi, and Burundi is poor, very poor. Um, some years ago when we were there with them, we bought a plot of land so we could start building some things, and then we discovered uh, it, was a, it was a burial site. There had been genocide committed there, and so... <laughs> We had all this, and then there was a landslide, and, and lots of people lost their homes, and people were killed, and, and what have you. And uh, the, the, the response to that was wonderful from the family of churches. So they're very poor. We don't expect them to stump up anything. But when it came to the offering last year, they insisted we want to give. And they gave $110. Now, they don't earn more than a couple of dollars a month, if that. And that's the heart that we have here. But these Macedonian, Paul, just because we're poor, don't leave us out. We want the blessing. You're denying us the blessing. Wow, that's heart. And you find it in the New Testament. You find in the New Testament, as Paul and others write their letters to the churches, what have, what have, what have you got there? You've got the orphans and the widows bringing it in from the Old Testament into the New Testament. Paul gives directions to Timothy. The churches you, you are caring for, Timothy, these are the instructions, orphans and widows. <laughs> we got testimony in the early church. There were no needy ones amongst them. That wasn't communism. It was just, it was just mercy of wanting to, not wanting anyone to be without. And then you've got uh, the mercy ministries that you find in Acts 6. You remember the widows and all that sort of thing. I want to make sure everybody's looked after, everybody's cared for. That is amazing. One of the things I struggle with, I don't go to London very often, but in London there are so many street people. And um, people who used to be, used to be doctors and lawyers and people like that, that, business people that's fell on bad times and they sleep rough at night and they, they ask you for money. And most people walk by. And to be honest, I can't walk by. Because Jesus said, didn't he? You know, give. If someone asks you, give. What's a few pounds? What's a few pounds or a few dollars to me when there's people sleeping? This is, this is the heart that God wants us to have. So, what's the first tragedy in the new church? Anybody? Any ideas? First tragedy in the early community of Christianity? Ananias and Sapphira. What was that about? Was it about money? No, it was about heart again. 
because they didn't have to give anything. But they wanted, they wanted, they wanted the con people to think they were something more than they were, and there was severe judgment. I, I, you know, you look at, you read that, and you think, "Wow, I'm glad does, God doesn't do that every time." We're a, we're a bit sort of a stingy with our money. I was, there wouldn't be a church, would there? We'd be all wiped out. Anyway, so so let me ask. Another question. So, what's your attitude be? Sorry, I'm not used to holding these things. What should I, what should our attitude be towards money? Well, as Paul says, we're to excel in the in the in in the grace of giving. It doesn't say in the ministry of giving. He says the grace, because we give because he gave. Is that right? What did he give? Everything. I, I find the incarnation uh, the most fascinating of truths. I try and get my head around it sometimes. The fact that this this God was born in the manger. We're going to celebrate that in a couple of months. Some people already got all sorts of stuff up. And then he had to learn who he was. And he did that the same way as you do, through scripture, through prayer, through the spirit, through through. And he grew up, and, and when he, as he knew who he was, he came to the knowledge, I'm God. He said to his mum and dad, did you not know I would be about my father's business one day? He was about 13 then. And, and then, then he lived in obscurity for the next 17 years till he was 30. I think, how did you do that? You're God, for goodness sake. And then he goes to a cross. And it wasn't the physical and he cries on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, <clears throat> I'm, Reformed doctrine is very much that the father turned his back on the son. I actually don't believe that. Because it's a psalm of David. When David cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Had God forsaken him? No, but he felt it. As he took our sin and our suffering and everything in his body, he felt the anguish of abandonment. Have you ever felt that? Well, there are times when we do it, particularly if there's a, a sadness in a family or a bereavement. I've got one or two friends. I'm at that age now where people are dying and a husband loses a wife and the emptiness that there is and the suffering. God on the cross took all that. That is an amazing, amazing, amazing truth. So when we quibble about whatever, whether it's giving or whatever. I just think, wow, for him, he quibbled about absolutely nothing. So we're to excel in the grace, in the grace of giving. And it says in 2 Corinthians 9, and I won't read the passage because we haven't got time, it says this, that our, our faithful giving will cause others to praise God and thank God for us. When Steve Oliver, when I first met Steve Oliver in 1996, and uh, I was doing a conference, two conferences in South Africa. And God told me to go and find this guy who'd gone to the daisies of Africa. Now, I haven't got time to tell his story. But um, I, I, I eventually found this guy. And I visited, it's in the Drakensberg Mountains um, in beautiful part of um, the, the South Africa. Beautiful, big mountains. We're talking, you know, 12, 14,000 feet mountains. Um, he's seven and a half thousand just where he lives. 
And when I found him, they were starting a school. Three kids in a garage. Two blacks and a white in a garage. And we said, well, we'll get involved. And the church where I was, I'm going back to now, they have given hundreds of thousand pounds over the years. But whenever I go there, they say, Ray, we just thank God for your church. That's why we want, that's why they say they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. What does that mean? They said to Paul, we want to partner with you in what you are doing in the nations. And that's why I want to thank you for the way you partner with us in regions beyond. It's just a name for a family of people who feel like-minded, love Jesus so much, we want to bless the nations. But we're partnering together in this. And God, God, God loves this. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna press on. Okay. Um I'm gonna skip some some stuff out because I want to get into right. Let me ask you a question. Do you think God's a good investment? <laughs> You've got to be careful how you answer that. It's a tricky question. There's some teaching around, isn't there, today? We call it prosperity teaching. You give God this and he'll give you that. So sometimes, and sometimes this is used to twist people's arms for their money. I don't like it when people say things like that because I don't think we ought to think of God as an investment at all. I think we ought to, ought to think of him as who he is and worshipping for who he is and what he does. But it's interesting in Proverbs, it's pretty clear the scriptures teaches that he honours faithfulness in this area. Let me just read you some, some Proverbs. You got, got the book of Proverbs? Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. You know that one? That's a good song to learn. Taught my kids that as we used to go on holiday to Greece. We'd be walking to the taverna for some food and we'd sing it all the way along the road. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Samuel, Samuel. Here we are. You're thinking, when's he going to stop that and get to the scriptures? Well, let me just find it. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse and verse. Um, Nine. Here's one for you. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. That's a good one, isn't it? Chapter 11, verse 24. It's all right. We're going to get there. In the, I'm going to get you in a moment. Just softening you up. Okay, marinating you for the... One man gives freely, yet gains even more. You give, and somehow God just gives back. And with blessing. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. You Christians, you're giving your money. How stupid. You need to save for a rainy day. That's one of my... Well-known Christian friend said, you save for a rainy day, that's what God will give you. <laughs> so, but here, isn't it crazy? In the church, we're the upside down, well, we're the right way up, really, is the world is upside down. We, we give and we bless, and God gives us more. 
Okay. Let's go. Let's, uh, let's go to Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. And verse 27, I think it is. Not a very nice one, this one. They're not all good, these Proverbs. Truthful, but not good. Okay. And verse 28. He who, he who gives to the poor will lack nothing, but he who closes his eyes to them receives many curses. That's why I avoid, when I'm walking through London, not blessing those that live on the streets. Verse 22. A stingy man is eager to get rich and is unaware that poverty awaits him. That's frightening, isn't it? My favourite proverb, okay? Got your Bibles? Turn to Proverbs 23. Okay? Here we go. If you get an invitation out to a meal and you're not sure about it, this is a good proverb for you. Do not eat the food of a stingy man. Do not crave his delicacies. For he is the kind of man who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the little you've eaten and will have wasted your compliments and you'll have to visit McDonald's on the way home. Now, why is that there? Why is that in the Bible? Because God is not stingy. He doesn't want a stingy church. When I was 65, ah, it's over a decade ago now. I know you can't believe that. When I was 65, I noticed just after my birthday, someone put 30,000 no, 30, pounds in my bank account. So I said to Sue, Sue, someone's put 30,000 30, in our bank account. Do you know anything about it? She said, I'll get onto the bank. I said, no, you do nothing of the sort. Just leave it to me. <laughs> By the end of the week, I got 90,000 pounds in my account. What's that, about 140? Well, it used to be about $160,000. It's probably about 130000 now. But what had happened was when I was practicing law and I did a lot of property development, purchasing and that, I'd, I'd, and, and I'd... Uh, I, I, I did quite a bit of raising some mortgages, used to work with brokers, and they were, they were good companies. So I took out some policies of my own, paid the premiums, and for almost 40 years, I forgot all about it. And they were telling everybody, these policies aren't worth anything anyway, so cash them in. And I never did, because I'm too lazy to do things like that. But come my 65th birthday, I've got £90,000, because they'd matured. Now, before you ask for a loan, let me tell you, there's none left because I've got four daughters. I've, I've got son-in-laws who are running businesses and they're trying to buy houses. So I knew where it was all going. All right? But before it all went, I said to Sue, before the kids get their hands on this money, we are going to have a holiday. We're going to go where it's hot. So we went to Jamaica. We're going to go where it's all inclusive. So we went to Sandals. And we're going to go where there's a fabulous golf course. So we went, and we went for two weeks, and we had a fabulous time, and we didn't need to spend one penny, except that when you got to the golf, you had to have a caddy. That's someone who carries your bag, and they're so poor there that these caddies, and some of them were just little girls, they were carrying two golf bags. So they're carrying two golf bags, six, six to nine miles in 90 degrees of heat, 
And, I, and it looked as though they needed the kiss of life at the end of it, to be honest. And so we turn up the first day, and I said to the caddy master, <clears throat> it, we, you know, when we tip the caddy, how much do we tip them? He said, well, anything between 10 and $30 USA, because that's their currency they want is dollars. I said, that's fine. So we had a guy that caddied for Sue and I, big guy, and he carried our bags. And then we were powered up with another couple from England, and he, his story was he'd sold his business and he'd made a fortune, and now they were having a holiday to celebrate as well. So we introduced ourselves, and uh, you don't talk a lot playing golf, at least I don't anyway. So we didn't get to know them too well. But right at the end, they had this little girl that was carrying these two bags. I, we really felt sorry for her, um, but she needed the money. So at the, end of the, um, at the end of the round of golf, um, he got his big fat wallet out and he gave his caddy $10. I got my wallet out, not half as fat, and I gave my caddy $50. And he said to me, this guy, he said, you shouldn't have done that. That does not help them, you know. I said, well, I said, I've got to be honest with you. Um, my caddy looks very happy at the moment. It's your caddy that doesn't look very happy. He said, well, why did you do it? I said, because I belong, I belong to the most generous family on the face of the earth. Are you a Rothschild or something? I said, I'm a Christian. He said, so am I. I said, well, you're a stingy one, and the Bible has a lot to say about people like you. I got really angry. Needless to say, they avoided us for the rest of the fortnight playing golf. But in that evening, Sue and I were sitting in this very romantic restaurant, Asian, in, uh, in Sandals, and we were just reminiscing, and like you do sometimes, and saying, you know, how good God's be. You know, uh, we had, we had a, a very good salary once. Uh, we, we got looked after later, particularly as the church grew. But, you know, we just said, well, you know, we've never gone without God's been such a blessing to us. And, and then we just said, you know, that's the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God, which has to do with generosity. And God will, God, will, God will sort out the other things. And then in the morning we were having breakfast, and this time it was around the pool there, and it was very light, lots of people. And a young fella came over to us and said, my name's Ian, I've asked to be your waiter this morning. I said, why? He said, well, were you the couple in the jade room last night? Were you talking about the Bible? I said, no, we're talking about the kingdom of God. Why, are you a Christian? He said, no, but I want to be one. What a reward. And over the next two days, we led him to Christ. He'd gone through some tough times, gone through a divorce. And then about a year later, he sent us a photograph of his baptism. Hey, that's the reward. What better? God, will, God blesses us when we show generosity and it speaks volumes volumes to the world so this proverb here 23 6 never eat the food of a stingy man god god what god wants from us is this he wants us to be like him doesn't happen overnight does it we struggle we wrestle we read god's word and we know that word is for us. And we just respond immediately. It's easy, isn't it? No, it's not easy. That's why he's given us a helper, the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own. But he's the one that's been given to us so that we begin to live. What's, what's the best testimony that can be ever said of you? 
That church, we know they're genuine Christians because they love one another, care for one another. And those that do that, they care for the world as well. Okay? Can you say amen to that? You're Americans. You're supposed to say amen all the time. <laughs> so, let me just finish. Yeah, I think I'm nearly done. Yeah, I'm going to finish. Just going to tell you another story. I was about 26 when I sort of, God began to teach me about this sort of stuff, that this was a way to live, to listen to the promptings of the Spirit. I've taught you on that before now. And, um, and I earned a very good salary. So I have to be really honest and say, giving a few pounds away, or even 20, 30 pounds for someone to, you know, um, be able to uh, renew their brakes on their car. It was not a big deal. It was not a big deal because I earned good money. Later, of course, when I went to <laughs> a fifth of that, it was, it was, it was a different deal. But um, I, I, was, I was getting quite excited when God spoke to me about giving people money. And, and even if I got it wrong, you know, I never had anybody object to being given money. That's strange. <laughs> but I went to a conference um, in the north of England, right up in the mountainous areas there, beautiful place called the Lake District. And we had, it was the early days of the charismatic movement. It was in the, yeah, it would have been in the sort of late 60s. And they were exciting days. Uh, we were living in something we don't even know, didn't know what we were living in then. It's only as we look back, to be honest. And there are these two speakers. And... We were just thrilled to have these two guys. One of them had just been out to Poland. He'd been arrested. He'd been in prison for a while. So it was, it was, it was an interesting time for him. But to know, you know, and we were interested in their stories. But when they, when, when, when they got there and they were, they, were, they were just introducing themselves, I felt God speak to me about giving them some money. And God told me to give them a pound. Now, a pound is just a little bit more, sadly, than a dollar. should be a lot more, but it isn't. Now, I was used to giving people 10 pounds, 15 pounds, 20 pounds, 50 pounds. But to go up to somebody who's a well-known speaker and say, God's told me to give you a pound, a dollar, that's an insult, isn't it? I think they might have said, you probably need it more than I do, to be honest. But, but it stayed with me. Now, I have to say, in those days, a pound at least was a bit of paper. Today it's a piddly little coin. But at least it was a bit of paper. And I was so impressed with this on my mind. I thought, I've got to be obedient, but what do I do? So what I did, I found out where their room was, and when no one was around, I got my pound note, and I tucked it under their door. And I forgot all about it. Right at the end of the conference, and we'd had blessing. And the Spirit of God was all over us. It was wonderful. And they said, you know, we knew this was going to be a good conference because when we came here, we'd, just, we'd just come from somewhere else. Um, there'd be no honorarium. They were putting a check in the post or something like that. And they said, we had no money. And but that was fine. We, we knew you were generous people. And, and, and we heard that we'd been very generous to them. They said, but when we learned we had to buy our own drinks at the end of the day, which would have been either chocolate or... Horlicks, do you know the Horlicks? Well, you haven't missed anything. Or tea or coffee. 
We thought, well, this is crazy. What do we do? They said, well, we were praying. So we said, well, Lord, we reckon we need about a pound. So they're praying. He said, as we're praying, this pound note comes under the door. <laughs> listen, listen. That wasn't for them. It was for me. It was for me, for God to impress on me, this is the way you Christians are to live. You ought to be the most generous people on the face of the earth. Now, we're not being silly and we're not being stupid because Paul says later in that passage, he says, you know, don't go over the top. Don't be silly. Give uh, as the God has blessed you. So we, so we are sensible with our giving, although there are times when there's a little bit more faith involved. But basically, this has to do with obedience, doesn't it? We want to be obedient. And when I told Steve that I was going to come and speak to you about money, he said, you wouldn't come with us. I said, well, I wasn't doing the speaking, so why should I want to be there with you? But, see, this is a big thing. You know, dare I say this, but you know, as, as, as Christians, we get very hot under the collar about homosexuality and that sexual sort of stuff, don't we? But do you know what? In the scriptures, it's lumped with greed. Fornication and greed go together. Isn't that strange? Do we get excited? Do we get so grumpy about greed and about obesity and, you know, all the, all the restaurants we can go into and fill our faces till kingdom come and get fat on it and be unfit and not look after our bodies? Generally, you don't hear much talked about greed. But the world needs a demonstration of, of how to correctly use money. And folks, here's the good news. You're God's plan A. And he hasn't got a plan B. It's through the church the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the principalities and powers. And you know, we tend to think principalities and powers as just the demons and all that sort of stuff in the heavenly realms. No, that wasn't what Paul was referring to, although he included that. He was also including the cult of Caesar and all those gods and goddesses and, that were capricious and all the rest of it. He was all, all, also, it was a, a demonstration to the, to the principalities and powers in the earthly realms and those in the spiritual realms. We, as his people, have the ability to make demons deeply depressed, and to cause angels to be wildly enthusiastic in praise of Lord Jesus when they look upon his church. So do I need to pray for you on this? No. Do we need ministry on this? No. Just need to go and do it. Sort it out ourselves with God. Lord, we thank you that you gave everything for us. Help us, Holy Spirit, to make sure that we are being are doing our part, Lord. Not just because there's needy people, not just because there's a world out there that's starving, but because, Lord, we want to be a blessing to you and we want to honour you, Lord, not just with our singing and our gifts of the Spirit and all these other wonderful things you've given us, but also with our substance, our wealth. So we pray, Lord Jesus, that you will uh, help us to outwork this word as is applicable to each one of us, which may be very different in different ways, and that you may have all the glory, Lord Jesus, from a church that is known to excel in the grace of giving.